The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. If we want to know the biggest barrier to our authenticity... We can look to the hypnotic scripts that we learned as we were growing up. But, paradoxically, it is those same scripts that are the anvil upon which we hammer out the designs for an authentic life. We actually grew up in a hypnotic trance state in which the organizing center of our existence was displaced outside of us. These hypnotic scripts told us who to be and how to be it. And we did it and did it and did it until the day came when doing it became more painful than not doing it. That's when we began to ask some of the right questions, like, who am I really? But that particular trance state is our gauntlet. No one else's trance state will ultimately be broken so that we can become who we are. But until it is broken, we will not come alive. So today we're going to learn why we do what we do, why we're attracted to our relationships, and how we can become our truest self. So let's start with that whole idea of the trance state. But before we go there, I want to let you know that today on our show, we're going to be running a clip from Oprah's Super Soul Sunday that's coming up this the 29th, uh, this coming Sunday. So be here for that. You don't want to miss it. It's a, it's a good clip, and it uh, indicates a very good show coming up on Sunday. So let, let's talk about this whole idea of authenticity, and then we're going to talk about what it is that keeps us from being that. Authenticity is your truest self. And some people divide the, the psyche up into various components like the shadow and the ego and the higher self and the lower self. Uh, some people say we have multitude of layer. We have the spirit, which is the, the divine spark within us. We have the soul, which is our passionate self. We have the, the uh, personality. We have the ego. We have the persona. We have, we have all these different layers. Yeah, I'm not so sure I agree with all those layers, but you have to formulate your own opinion. And so what I'm going to do is put out there some ideas and let you think about what you think is true. So the authentic self, from my definition, is the truest, most essential core of who we are. Carl Jung would have called it the self with a capital S, and he said is the organizing center of our existence. In other words, everything that happens, that's even stuff that doesn't, uh, seem to be coming from any center is still being organized by that center and becoming useful to that center to help us do what he called individuate. So uh, he also talked about the, the core self being the Imago Dei, the image of the divine within us. And, uh, that Imago Dei is, it, he does not go so far as a, um, a clinician to say that that is God. 
or the divine, but he does say it is an image of the divine. And, of course, many other sacred texts that are not written from a clinician's perspective are do say that it is the divine. And I agree with that. I think it is the divine self. And um, even the, some of the great Buddhist sutras uh, will acknowledge that there is a real self in no self. So the idea of the self, no self, that comes from the deepest Buddhist um, uh, tenets is, or uh, thoughts, ideas that are in the sutras uh, written there are talk about that when we get to the truest essence of who we are, it isn't based in an external point of reference as like a persona or an identity is, but it is the central core of who we are. So when I use the words authenticity or an authentic life or authentic living, what I'm saying is that the the core center of us can establish an external uh, playing field, if you will. We it can it can present into the external world. As a matter of fact, one of the two the the two opposites that Carl Jung talked about the most in the human psyche was the anima and the animus, which was the female and the male, the feminine and the feminine, the feminine and the masculine aspects of the of the psyche. Now that he's not talking about uh, a man and a woman, he's talking about the the energy that looks from all of our understanding as to be feminine and the energy that looks from all of our understanding to be masculine. And the way that peels down when you sort of get to the bottom line layer of it is like this. The in, the feminine is the internal self, the inner terrain. Uh, it is a receptive part of us. It receives from the central core of our being ideas, creates creative notions, things like that. And the masculine then will take those out into the world and manifest them. So that's how they would work in harmony. Very often they don't work in harmony, and that's a part of our problem. But uh, so the divine self is orchestrating all that. The inner, the inner beingness, the core of who we are is orchestrating all of that. Uh, and, and so when we talk about joining the opposites, we're talking about joining all kinds of different aspects of, of our thinking and believing and acting and, and, and feeling that, uh, can be united into one whole, which is the goal of human life. So, okay, now. That's what I mean by authenticity. What in the world am I talking about when I talk about a family trance? Well, actually, those are not my terms. Those were terms that were coined by uh, John Bradshaw. Um, and uh, basically what he says is that we grow up in a family system that has a culture of its own. It has its own religion. It has it has its own ways of behaving. It has its own um, sort of doctrine and dogma about how things are supposed to go in that house. And a lot of those things are unspoken. I mean, I have literally uh, uh, sort of as a uh, test asked people, what was it that you know, what were the family rules in your family? What do you know for sure you were supposed to do in that family? And a lot of the time what happens is that uh, people know the unspoken messages that were, uh, that were taught without ever having anyone say, this is what you're supposed to do in this family. Uh, Everyone knew it. Every, all the siblings knew it. The parents knew it. Everyone knew the same thing. Like, you're not supposed to cry in this family. Or, you're not supposed to get loud in this family. Or, you're, you, you don't divulge family secrets. Or, you, 
uh, in this family, we don't really touch each other. Or in this family, we don't allow anybody else to have their own opinion. Or the, all of the, those are the things that people know that nobody said. Nobody said, you cannot have your own opinion. <laughs> you have to believe what we believe. Nobody said that, but everybody knew it. Uh, nobody said, you don't touch in this family, but everybody knew not to touch. Nobody said, um, we're going to divide and conquer all the siblings in this family so that none of them can be close. But everybody knew it, and everybody behaved out of it. So these are the things that are a part of a family trance. Um, and it's not just the unspoken messages that are from fa- part of the family trance, but the spoken ones as well. However those messages are communicated, everyone in the family gets it. Everyone in the family knows that this is how it's supposed to be in this family. Okay, so uh, the truth is that while we're growing up, we are defining ourselves by our our allegiance to that system. We're, we're finding an identity within that st- structure. We're defining ourselves based on how we are defined in that family. So, okay, so let me give you a few examples of how that works. So suppose that I grow up in a family system where um, people notice that I, I have a big heart. And people depend on me to be the emotional one in the family. And I'm supposed to be the one that carries around everybody's emotions and is concerned for their well-being. And, and the one that speaks up when somebody gets hurt and the one that uh, says, you know, no, you can't hurt that person and no, you have to stop doing that. Or, or, or I'm the one that sort of just carries around without ever speaking about it at all, everyone else's emotions. So I become sort of the receptacle like a trash can for everybody's emotions. Everybody has, people have a feeling and they don't want to feel it, so they just wad that up and throw it in to me. I'm the family sort of trash can. And what that makes me ultimately is what I call in the book Restoring My Soul, I call it the scapegoat role. There's lots of different ways of defining that, but the words work. I mean, it's a language. So, uh, so the, the, the scapegoat is the one who feels guilty and responsible for everyone else in the family. How did he or she get that role? Everyone else in the family said, that's your role. And how did everyone in the family know it? Well, it started, of course, with the parents, and it just gets passed around, uh, almost like osmosis, almost like you're pouring liquid on a, on a piece of tissue, and it runs right through the tissue and gets on everything else. That's how that works in a, in a family system. And it's a trance state. We are hypnotized by it. Um, another example would be somebody who grows up to be a bad kid, a bad boy, a bad man. Let's say it's masculine. It doesn't have to be. It could be a woman too. But just for the heck of it, let's say it's a man. And uh, uh, this is a person who, let's, for example, let's, let's detail a little bit. Um, let's say this is a, a child who grows up in a family that is hyper-religious, um, very extremely rigid about religious tenets. And regardless of the religion, it doesn't matter when the child does something that in another family might be considered to be just a little bit naughty. In that family, it's a big sin. You just can't do that. It's just horrible for you to do that. And so the child is picking up emotions that the parents are giving out. Even before the child can speak, the child is picking up these emotions and the parents are going, oh, that's horrible. He's he's going to be a bad boy. Oh, my gosh, he's going to be a bad boy. Well, What's happening is the child is defining himself by that. He's being hypnotized into believing that that's who he is. And the other piece of that is we all are also afraid of not existing. We all have a natural fear that in this body form, 
do I really exist in this body form? We know in, in way down deep at our core, we know we exist without our body form. But do we exist in the body form? And that's a question we're always asking. So one of the ways we prove to ourselves that we exist is that we, um, we, we live into the identities that are sort of assigned to us in this family trance. And so we, as we, as we live into it, we're proving constantly, oh, see, I'm doing that and I'm getting feedback from my family. Yep, it's true. I still exist. Yep, it's true. I still exist. So for the kid that's quote unquote the bad kid, well, this kid is getting feedback, what people would call negative reinforcement from the family that says, yeah, you are a bad kid. But for the kid, that says, oh, well, at least I exist. I'm, I'm the bad kid, and that's how I exist. And this child will end up getting pleasure from giving others pain. Why? Because that proves he or she exists. And and it, it, he has to be badder and badder, if those are English words. He has to get make his behavior get worse and worse in order to prove to himself that he still exists. So to, today I exist because I did I pulled Sally's hair. Tomorrow I exist because I throw ink on Sally's clothes. The next day I exist because I push Sally down in the in the dirt. You see I'm having to get more and more bad stuff just to prove I exist. Same thing is true of the person that I called a scapegoat a little while ago. Well, that person is going to have to take on more and more emotions of other people and 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 be there in, in more obvious ways for other people in order to prove that he or she exists. So that's a that's how that family trance works. It works in in uh, a dance, if you will, with the the person. So the family says, here's who you are, and the person says, yes, that's who I am, and this is how I'm going to prove that I exist. And so I'm going to be that, and then you're going to tell me, yep, you are that, and I'm going to say, oh, okay, I'm still that, and then you're going to say, yep, you are that, and I'm going to say, oh, I'm still that, and that's how it works, and that's how we hypnotize ourselves into this state. It becomes a mantra within us. So in the book, Restoring My Soul, if, if those of you who've read it, or for those of you who haven't read it yet, the 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 book talks about these roles and and how we what some of the barriers that keep us from being authentic and we talk in the book about belief systems and fears and uh, mantras and the good evil complex and all of those things that keep us from uh, realizing our authenticity and how to work through those it actually helps uh, people work through it on the pages of the book but if you uh, if you are Defining yourself, then that is the central core of all of these other things. So all of those barriers that I talk about in the book are a part and parcel of a of an identity of how I define myself. So my belief systems are going to come from how I see myself. My feelings are going to come from how I see myself. My self sabotage is going to come from how I see myself. My fears are going to come from how I see myself. So all of that is at base about how I see myself. So this thing about identity is huge it's everything in terms of how we are able to move into authenticity because we've got to directly deal with that identity in order to uh, become more authentic and that's how it is both the 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 thing that's in our way and also the thing that helps us to become more authentic so and i'm going to talk some more about that later but uh, so, so now we know that the authentic self is the central organizing uh, core of who we are. It's an essential beingness that is who we are. And uh, we also know that the family trance is literal hypnotic trance that we get into um, 
that defines us as people. The, it, the culture in that family system defines us. And we live um, sort of secreting away all the ways that we define ourselves and, 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 and yet acting that way out in the world. Because, and the reason I know it's sort of secret is because when I talk to people about this, one of the things they say is, well, yes, I know that that feeling is inside me. Like, for example, um, I know that I have these urges to do really cool things for people, empathic things for people, but I'm a bad person, so I can't do those things. Or I know that those emotions don't really belong to me, and I, I can feel tired of carrying those emotions, but I, I still have to compulsively carry those emotions because I'm not even sure why. <laughs> and But the why, the answer to the why would be because if I don't, I don't exist. So that's how that sort of works, and, and that identity is very different in many ways than the self, although there are taglines. For example, if I'm a basically empathic person, then I'm more likely to be picked out in the family as the one who will carry all the emotions for other people. Um, and, of course, the catch-22 there is that I'm also going to hear from families, that, I, that that same family system, that I'm, that I'm too emotional. When I express those emotions in front of that family system, they're going to say you're being too emotional. Why? Because they don't want to see it. They want me to carry it away so they don't have to see it at all. So I'm not supposed to express it in front of them. I'm just supposed to carry it away. And that's the whole idea of the scapegoat, carrying things away. So um, uh, I went to see Bruce Lipton. Well, I went to the IONS conference um, back in July, uh, the Noetic Science Institute um, and Bruce Lipton was there, and I got to hear him. I was real glad for that. And he is coming to our show, by the way, on November the 13th to talk about his new book, The Honeymoon Effect, which is what he was also talking about in the, in the conference. And one of the things he says is that we are in various uh, hypnotic states. The delta state is the state we're in when we're um, really small, between the ages of zero and four. We're in the delta state. And then when we get to three or four years old, we move into the theta state. So the delta state is a very sleepy kind of um, state where we just can sort of receive from other people what is going on. So in the family system, if a family trance is being tra- passed around, then I'm being entranced by their, how people see me even as a young child. When my when my firstborn was born, the, the nurse came and brought him to me and she said, oh, he's going to be a bad one. And what she meant he was what he was was that he was crying a lot in the nursery. Well, that meant she had to do some extra work, so that made him bad. That's a way that that happens, even pre-verbally. So this child at the Delta state is receiving that information and and acting it, and then eventually be, will be able to act it out. And of course, when they reach the Theta state, that's a highly imaginative state where they can uh, be able to. Um, imagine that dots are connected that aren't really connected. I'm I'm responsible for what my mother does. That's really not connected. But if I'm a scapegoat, then I'm going to believe that that's really true. And I can imagine all kinds of other scenarios and play them out. So uh, those two states are the are, are the receptive sort of states that allow us to develop that identity in the family trance in the family system where the trance is being tra- passed around. So that's basic overview of, of what else we're going to talk about today in our show. We're going to be talking about identity versus self right after this. So stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss it.
the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about family trance and how it uh, entrances us into some scripts that we play out in our own heads that keep us from being authentic. And the Authentic Living Show today is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology, offering as terminal degrees both a Th.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies of the paranormal. 
Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIST gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. AIHT is a real educational program where you will get a real learning experience in a broad spectrum of educational endeavors, utilizing as your text writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. The big deal is that facilitating your dream is AIHT's mission. All you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And speaking of Oprah, remember that we're going to have a clip of her upcoming Super Soul Sunday coming up in the last segment of this show, so you don't want to miss that. And as I said, we were talking about um, authenticity and how it is that our family trance uh, keeps us from engaging in our own authenticity. So I said before the break that we were going to talk about identity and self. Okay, so identity is the role I play in my life, and the role is not uh, something I can put on and take off. Like, I I might come to work and and put on a professional role, and when I go home, I take it off, because if I didn't, everybody would go, what the heck's wrong with you at home? But if I I am living into a scapegoat identity, that's usually an unconscious identity. I don't know when to take it off. In other words, it becomes almost caricature-like. So... You could you could analogize that to the the motif of the dumb blonde, you know that's somebody who's supposed to act a certain way, and if I believe that that's how I'm supposed to act, then that's how I'm going to act, and so I act that way, and I live out that uh, drama, and and perhaps I eventually uh, end up killing myself, as maybe Marilyn Monroe is a good example of that, if indeed she actually did kill herself. Um, of course, I don't really know, but the the idea is that I'm living out an identity that's not true to who I am, and inside I'm miserable because I know that this is not who I really am, but I don't know that I know that, and I don't know how to get in touch with that. So that's why I want to talk about it so much is because this is not something that's conscious. We have to raise our consciousness to the, to understand that the biggest reason for our what what we call quote unquote acting out behaviors is not because we are bad people but because we are entranced with an identity uh, we believe that we are supposed to act in certain ways or that to not act in certain ways means we don't exist anymore and so we compulsively reenact and reenact and reenact and reenact. And uh, someday, if we end up in therapy and if I end up being a therapist, then what I'm going to say is, who are you really? Under all of that, who are you really? And the answers I typically get are, well, I feel this, but I shouldn't feel that. Okay, so I'm, I'm carrying other people's emotions, and they're not caring about me at all because they don't have to. I'm doing all the work. I was assigned this work, and I'm doing it. So... I bridge all the gaps between us. I do all the work in every relationship, and they don't have to because I'm doing it. And so when I finally come into therapy and say I resent that like crazy, I, you know, how is it that these people don't even care about me and I'm doing so much work to, to hold up this relationship? How is that happening? Well, it's happening because you're doing all the work and they're going to let you do all the work. And why did you get attracted to these people? Because your family trance says these are the kind of people you know. These are your familiar people. These are the people you love. This is So your brain is just doing what it's always done. It got in a groove and it's going there. 
And in order for us to move beyond that, we have to begin to sort through the feelings that are not coming from that role. And so when I feel resentment, that's a very different feeling than the feelings I'm supposed to be feeling in the, in the scapegoat role. And so that's why they're worthy of exploration because they're so different. And so I'm telling myself, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be feeling resentment. I shouldn't be feeling resentment. So I have to push that away again and again and again and again. And eventually I become depressed and I come to therapy and somebody says, well, you know what? Maybe your resentment's trying to tell you something. <laughs> and what it's trying to tell you is that you're, you're carrying a bunch of stuff that isn't yours. You're trying to do a bunch of stuff you can't do. And you're, and you're trying to be somebody that you can no longer be. Your emotions are trying to give you that message. And when you turn and listen to them, they give you information. And so that's the process. Carl Jung talks about it, uh, those emotions as sort of disruptive emotions. They come up and they, they disrupt the, the, the paradigm we understand to be truth. And because they do, we have to do what he calls individuate. Uh, in an article written by Murray Stein, Stein uh, it was called Individuation. He tells us that at the end of Jung's uh, tome on psychological types, he described individuation as a process of differentiation, having for its goal the development of our true personalities, our individual personalities. But that's not the same as identity because he also says that individuation involves making conscious and peeling away from one's personal sense of self a great deal of unconscious material. All of the introjections and identifications the, in, the unconscious identity with objects and people which have accumulated over a lifetime. This is an ongoing aspect of individuation that is never final. Those are Murray Stein's words from his paper, Individuation. Um, in, the, in the human potential movement, we, we throw the word ego into the mix quite a bit. And I've mentioned this before, but it's really important to mention it today because ego has become the enemy. Ego is the bad guy inside of us. It's the one, and I've literally heard people and seen it written, heard people say and seen it written that the ego wants us to fail. The ego wants to sabotage us. The ego wants to um, um, make things really hard for us. It wants to put us down. It's like it's this Satan inside of us um, and that wants to uh, corrupt our lives, and that is not at all. Uh, the true role for the ego. That's not how Jung defined it. Um, and actually, that would be more like the id in even Freudian psychology. So the, the, the ego is, as I've said before, only a liaison between the inner and outer world. That's all it is. Now, what can happen is we can let the outer world overcome the ego and we identify with the external world by trying to perform in ways that please the external world. Or we can become overly internalized, and that's when we see things like schizophrenia now. There may be, there's probably much more to schizophrenia than just that, but we, uh, psychiatrists everywhere talk about the strength of the ego. The ego is got to, is that balancing beam that sort of sits in the middle and liaisons between the inner and outer world, and so it is supposed to be able to check the inner world against the outer and the outer world against the inner and get to truth. But if we uh, allow it to be overwhelmed by the external world, then we're going to identify with some of the things that our family system has told us to identify with. That's that hypnotic trance state. So, And most of us do that to some degree or another. I'm not saying we do it to the extent that we become totally caricature, but uh, but we do it to some degree or another. We lose our center. 
by putting the center outside of us, by saying, oh, you are the, the, the modus operandus for my behaviors. You cause me to do these things. Your messages to me help, uh, make me see that this is what I have to be. So I'm externalizing the, the locus of control outside of me instead of inside of me. And that's when we don't really realize how much power we actually have to run our own lives. We have absolute power, but we don't realize that, A, because many of us are taught that it's selfish to run our own lives, and B, because we're not really thinking that way. And the reason we're not really thinking that way is because we have engaged in that that hypnotic trance state that we uh, became a part of as, as a member of our families. So as time goes by, the hypnotic trance state should wear off more and more because reality keeps coming in and our own emotion keep, keep erupting. And if we're listening to that, then, then what Carl Jung said will happen. He says we're crucified between the opposites and delivered up to the torture until the reconciling third takes shape. And Claire Dune, the author of Carl Jung, Wounded Healer of the Soul, says, the reconciling third that appears is the innermost nucleus of the psyche, the organizing center that includes the ego but is not defined by it, a transpersonal, transcendent reality that Carl Jung named the self. The encounter with the self is a centering which brings about a completion of the individuation process. So the whole of our lives, we go from, we go from uh, recognizing who we are, outside of a body to coming into a body and trying to find out who we are there and then losing our center to give it uh, the power of that center over to the external world and then the rest of our lives we spend coming back to that center if we're paying attention. There are people who live their whole lives never acknowledging that there's any other center other than the external self, external world, I mean. So um, when, when we pay attention... What happens is we're listening to those emotions and they give us a message. And the message says, you know what, I'm tired of doing it this way. Or, you know what, I'm tired of you calling me bad. I'm not really bad. I'm, I'm really uh, an okay person. And besides that, I just, I don't have to define myself as bad or good. I just am. You know, uh, I'm, I'm tired of being the Peter Pan. I would like to be able to take some responsibility. I'd like to grow up. I'm tired of, I'm bored with playing all the time. These are the emotions that can come up or life itself can come crashing in and say, no, you got to do something different. You got, for example, well, the Peter Pan or the party doodad or the, the pu'er or the, uh, all of those roles are the same. It's, it's a child who doesn't want to grow up. And if I'm living out that role, then, you know, perhaps my wife wants to leave me or my husband wants to leave me because I'm just gambling away all the money or partying all the time or playing around with other, uh, having sex with other people because it's fun and why shouldn't I? And, you know, I'm not really paying the bills or I'm not really going to work or all kinds of things and they want to leave me for that. And I'm like, what, well, but, you can't leave me and then what I do might do from there is oh that's too painful so let me go find somebody else who will take care of me and you see people bouncing from uh, person to person caretaker to, to caretaker that way but ultimately when life comes crashing in and they can't find anybody to take care of them anymore that's when it's like they've burnt all the bridges and and now oh what am I going to do now well that's life's grandest opportunity given to us to help us to uh, restore what the shaman would call restore the soul, to be able to put our soul back in its center, 
to be able to say, well, I'm more than just a kid. I've got other parts of me that I haven't ever even tapped into. So let me go there and find out what, what I can do with that. And uh, so that's how we begin. That reconciling third begins to emerge into our conscious awareness, and we become aware of, a little bit more aware at least, of who we are. So the process is one in which we are becoming more and more complete as time goes by, and that each person's particular uh, role, each person's particular hypnotic trance state is, is sort of, if you could say it this way, designed for that particular person to play out that particular person's um, uh, life issues so that that particular person become, can become more true to that particular person's authentic self. So it's not what if, – if I were placed in your family, I would not get the same lessons that I'm getting from my family. And vice versa, if you were placed in my family, you wouldn't get the same lessons. Why? Because these particular lessons are are necessary for my particular evolution. Um, and it's amazing to me how powerfully accurate that is. And, and that's a part of how I see the psyche, the I am within us, the divine self, the divine all working to to accomplish the same goal. That is, that in this life, I'm going to get this lesson. I'm going to get this one thing. If I don't get anything else, I'm going to get this one thing, and that will not fail. That I will be able to do. Why? Because I came into this particular family, and that's so essential for my particular growth. And that... That truth, if you, uh, you know, no, as far as I know, nobody has ever studied that. I would encourage transpersonal researchers to study that. Uh, that wh- how much of us, uh, how much of what we have to go through is actually so individualized that it meets that particular person's needs so well. Uh, um, I'd like to see some research on that, but so far I haven't seen any. And uh, the, but but what I've seen just you know. By example, in my own life through uh, working with so many people that I've worked with over the years and as a therapist and as a writer and, and as a host of this radio show, to listen to other people's stories, um, to, uh, to, to hear how perfectly designed the, the difficulties are that help us to attain something truer, something clearer, something more true to who we actually are, and that perhaps no other no other design for a dysfunctional family system would have worked as well so while it seems to be a very bad thing it is indeed a very difficult thing um it's not really a bad thing it's actually the gauntlet on which we formulate our existence uh true existence and it is the hammer on which we sort of hammer out that reconciling third uh it's the crucible uh that we uh pin our lives to and and so in that sense, then what's happening is we're becoming, through these very life scripts, the person we actually are. And, and, and that helps us discover our purpose. It helps us discover um, our truest emotions. And it helps us to be who we are in the world. Um, and, and the challenge in that is that the world is not always going to like it when we are who we are. Um, the world, especially our family system, if, if they're continuously trying to train us to remain in the hypnotic state, then they're not going to like it when we start being true to who we are. They're going to say things and do things that are counter to us 
uh, changing and becoming more true to who we are. And there, that, uh, is going to make us want to pull back and go, uh oh, I've made a mistake. I've betrayed my family system. There's going to be a feeling of, of guilt there, a feeling of, uh oh, I'm doing this wrong because we're so imprinted with that hypnotic trance state that we believe to not live into it, to not be compelled to constantly repeat it is to betray our family system. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that uh, after the break. But remember, we're also going to be talking about uh, Super Soul Sunday, this upcoming Super Soul Sunday, and you'll get to hear a clip in this next segment as well. So be here for that. We'll be right back in just a minute. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. And you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth Schoolroom. The Open Door with host Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Health is in your hands. What you do and what you don't do sets the course for the path of your life. Listen for wise chats, simple talk, profound wisdom with Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Through this series, we'll explore energetic approaches to health and healing that provide practical and personal solutions. Our guests will share ideas and insights that will help us all adopt new behaviors and create lasting internal shifts. Wise Chats can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we've been talking today about the family trance, the, the hypnotic trance state in which we all grew up, uh, in which we defined ourselves, and uh, which is also the gauntlet uh, that we have to run to find out who we actually are. So uh, what I said at the beginning of the show was that we were going to learn why we do what we do. And why we, we do what we do is because we identified with a certain characterization of ourselves. It could be really rigid and be caricature-like, or it could be several degrees down from that and be um, less of that, but still a sort of compulsive, reactive way of living life. Um, and it is the thing that attracts us to our relationships as well. So why are we attracted to the kinds of people we're attracted to? Because we're living into an identity. 
And that identity defines not only who we are, but who we are going to be attracted to and who we will um, spend time with and who we won't spend time with. And uh, so it's not only that we're attracted to what's familiar, but it, it is a way of defining ourselves. So, for example, if I'm living into a super wall, superwoman identity, could be Superman, but since I'm a woman, I'll say superwoman identity. Um, the superwoman is somebody who is always getting it done yesterday, who if the boss assigns her a task to get done in a week, she has it done in three days, um, and she works overtime to make that happen. She comes home and washes all the clothes and keeps the house totally clean and fusses at the children to make sure they're always doing what they're supposed to be doing. And of course, they're not. Of course, that gives her more reason to fuss. And uh, she looks down on people who are not as active as she uh, is. They're, she looks down on people who are not taking their responsibility as she sees it. And um, so what's going to happen is she's going to marry somebody or be attracted to somebody. Regardless of a sexual orientation, she's going to be attracted to somebody who will fulfill the other side of that role, the opposite end of that. She's going to have to have somebody she has to take care of in order to maintain her role as superwoman. So she's not going to be attracted to another superwoman or superman because that would mean that she could step down. She's going to be attracted to someone who will help prop up her role as superwoman. So she's going to need to be uh, with somebody who is going to say, I need you to take care of me. And they don't say those words, just like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Nobody says these things, but they send out the information in ways that we can get it that, no, they're not going to do. Well, are they going to wash the clothes? Probably not. Are they going to cook supper? Probably not. Are they going to help around with the outside of the house? Probably not. Are they going to, you know, empty the trash? Probably not. Are you, as superwoman, am I going to end up nagging? Please empty the trash, empty the trash, empty the trash, empty the trash. Please wash the dishes. Please, you know, how come you don't ever? Well, then we get in a big fight about all the ways that you're not responsible and I am. And how come you can't be more like me? Well, the reason you can't be more like me, because if you were, I wouldn't be with you. Okay, so the roles attract roles that prop up the roles. All right, the person who's needing the the Peter Pan that sh- that I'm married to in this case would be somebody who is not going to take responsibility, and I can't do that because I define myself as someone who doesn't. So, if you're telling me to take responsibility, I can't do that because I'm compulsively reenacting my role to prove that I exist, and I've got to prove that I exist because I must feel that I exist. And and so I'm going to say that being a, a little child is how I maintain my role. Perhaps I was doted on as a kid for being a kid and, and, and anybody I was betraying my family system by growing up. Um, that certainly can happen as well. Uh, but whatever, uh, the, my purpose in life then becomes to uh, find a way beyond this role my truest person, purpose is going to be to find a way beyond the role to to be who I actually am. And every time this role uh, it causes me pain, then that's life and me confronting me with, uh-oh, you're not really being you yet. So that my purpose is unfolding as time goes by. People are uh, very often looking for a purpose. Somebody come tell them, you're, this is your purpose in life. But actually our purpose is the unfolding of our authenticity. And uh, speaking of purpose, um, Oprah Winfrey is going to be talking to the best-selling author Stephen Pressfield on this um, coming up Sunday, September the 29th on Super Soul Sunday for an inspiring conversation on breaking down the barriers, just exactly what we've been talking about today, that keep us from realizing our purpose in the world. 
every one of us have sometimes felt stuck. And any time that happens, we can turn to Pressfield, who offers us practical insights that he gained from his own struggle attempting to write his first novel, which, by the way, went on to become a best-selling book and a Hollywood feature film called The Legend of Bagger Vance. If you haven't seen that movie, you should. It's an excellent movie. Uh, get it from Netflix. Go wherever you go to get your movies and watch it. It's great. Uh, and he describes his book, The War of Art, um, his more current book. He believes that we all have our own unique creative genius, but the internal force that keeps us from expressing it is what he calls resistance. So whether you want to change your career, run a marathon, write the great American novel, or be uh, an entrepreneur, Pressfield's advice can help you to express your deepest yearnings from the inside out. Also on the show, um, new Super Soul original short film, an Oregon-braced illustrator named Katie Daisy describes how nature inspires and informs the colorful canvas of her life. This is going to be a great show, helping you get in touch with your purpose in life, so don't miss it. And here's a clip coming up right now. We're in Maui! The brand new season of Super Soul Sunday is just getting started. Sunday. What are you more afraid of than anything in the world? If you've ever felt a longing to do what it seems you were meant to do. Everybody has a calling. What comes first is the dream. Best-selling author Stephen Pressfield. How to rise to your next level and stay there. It's your decision. I want that. Super Soul Sunday. All new this Sunday, 11 a.m., 10 Central. And that is not one to miss. So be there for that Super Soul Sunday uh, on the 29th, this coming Sunday. You know, what he's saying there is very, very true. That dream is another way that the authentic self comes forward and says, are you going to do this or not? But if the role says, um, you can't do that, you betray your family if you do that, then we've got an inner conflict. And that inner conflict can sometimes bring people to therapy and maybe the therapist can help them figure out what's the truer voice. And that, again, is our purpose to be able to to sort of take off the layers that aren't authentic and become more real. Um, I, I once knew someone who uh, was a very, very talented artist and um, was also kind of got a double message from one of her parents and uh, the double message was, I want you to be successful because I know you can and that will make me feel like a good parent if you become successful. But the other message was, don't become successful because then I'll know that I could have done it and probably should have done it, but I didn't. So I don't want you to really be successful. So this person was always in a one step forward, one step back kind of identity, feeling that either way, she was going to betray the family system, and so she just couldn't move forward until she got past that, and and then became you know try to become her own self. So, hope hopefully that story unfolds where she can become more and more of her true self. But if not, then that's her choice as well. the The deal is we evolve to the level we choose to evolve to. So that dream that Pressfield is talking about there is part of the way that we begin to say wait, I really have to have this. I really have to have this. And that soulful desire that comes forward and says, oh, please let me have this, this longing. I really want this. I want to be a writer. I want to be um, a CEO of this organization. I want to be an attorney. I want to be a doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, um, homemaker, uh, seamstress, whatever. I want to be this. This this delights me. This makes me feel joy. This makes me feel alive. These are the things that bring me to me. 
those things, those are real. They are absolutely real. And when we pay attention to those things, when we really say, okay, I'm going to take myself seriously here. I'm going to commit myself to try, to trying everything possible, lifting up every rock that is in the way, that is keeping me from this. I'm going to go for it and see what happens. And the people in your family might feel betrayed. That's their problem, not yours. And other people might say, you're crazy for doing that. That's their problem, not yours. You don't have to own other people's stuff. And that that idea can move us forward. So that's what I'm saying. We've talked just briefly about how we get into the relationships we're into. We repeat the patterns from childhood. We get involved with people who do the same things our parent, parents, our families did. We get involved with people who give us the same exact messages that our parents did, or at least the messages that we haven't already resolved. If we've already resolved a message, then we've moved past that, and we won't be attracted to somebody who does that. For example, if I was abused as a kid, and I really know that abuse is not what I want to engage in or be involved in in any way, then I'm probably not going to be attracted to someone who will abuse me but if i have unresolved issues about that then i might be attracted to somebody who will abuse me that's how attraction works but if i say ouch this hurts and i don't talk myself out of that pain or or to try to go into denial or minimize it or tell myself oh they didn't really mean to do it or it won't happen again or maybe if i do x y and z they won't ever do it again if I can realize the pain, that pain is a motivator for me to become more authentic, to say, you know what, this is abuse and this is what I've experienced before and I know this, this hurts and I don't want to be a part of it. And maybe I can change my mind by just knowing that love looks like love, acts like love, walks like love, talks like love, love looks like love. And if I'm trying to be involved with somebody who's not doing, acting, talking, uh, behaving as if they love, then perhaps they don't. And perhaps I can let myself go from that. But that's the challenge, is to be able to look at those old issues and say, yep, that's where that came from. I can see that now. I know how I learned this. I know that I somewhere in there I think I'm betraying my family if I don't also get attracted to someone who's abusive because I love my daddy and he was abusive and, you know, I can't stop loving him because he was abusive. So I'm going to be with somebody else who's abusive so that I won't be betraying the love I have for my father. So that's kind of how that psychology works. One of the ways it works. There's several different ways it works, but the, the idea is to, to the way we get to our authenticity is by walking through the barriers to our authenticity uh, we don't get to authenticity by saying to ourselves, well, my ego is keeping me from my authenticity, so my bad old ego needs to go away, and I need to learn to live without an ego, and I need to just seek out my higher self. And abracadabra, there it is. That's not how it's going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work that way. That is a, just another way of repressing. It's just another way of telling ourselves that um, uh, things are true that aren't true. We haven't worked through the deep-seated emotions, and so they're going to keep popping up. We can't just say, oh, you go away to an emotion. We can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Millions of people have tried it. It has never worked. All All that happens is that the emotions go down inside of us. They come back up later, and they're not 
they're uglier even than they were before later. Um, so they sometimes they slip into our behavior. Like, for example, if I'm angry and resentful because I'm always the one, like the superwoman I mentioned a little while ago, always the one cleaning the house and fussing at everybody because they won't help me out. If I've got a boatload of anger and resentment about that, I'm going to probably at least start off being really sarcastically rude to those same people putting them down in some really ugly ways through sarcasm. And, uh, and then I'm going to uh, tell myself, well, you know, that was, that was okay. I was just kind of kidding. Right. No, you weren't. You meant every word of it, every delicious word of it. And then uh, later I'm going to get even madder and maybe I'm just going to blow my cork, you know. So what's happening is I'm telling myself not to feel that anger because anger is a bad thing to feel, but it's just going to come out uglier later. You can't get rid of emotions. You have to walk through them. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear that, that if we can work with our emotions, those disruptive things that come up in our face and say, "Uh uh-oh, there's a problem here, if we can work with them and take the message they have to give us and honor that message and begin to live from something different than that compulsion to do what we've always done, then we can become authentic people. It's a process, and it's a lifelong process, and it, it doesn't happen by just saying, oh, I forgive you. Now, that's done. I don't have to think about that anymore. Oh, I'm going to forgive, but I can't forget, and I don't have to think about that anymore. Oh, I'm just going to decide not to be mad. can't think about that anymore. That's not how it works, okay? So um, the central organizing center of your existence wants you to become more authentic and it is driving you to places and confrontations that are difficult uh, because you're not paying attention any other way i've been i've been treated that same way by my authentic self because i wasn't paying attention either it happens to all of us but when we begin to turn and look and say okay i hear you that's when it comes forth we open the door a crack and it starts opening the door itself So living authentically, that's the plan, that's the purpose, that's the design. Uh, And I wish you well on that journey. And remember, uh, next week we're going to be back again. We're going to talk some more about how we can develop that internal heaven that is us. And uh, so you want to be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.